Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Han, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this first episode for 2023, we are going to be exploring the market outlook for shipping for the coming year. Joining me with their crystal balls from Maritime Strategies International are Adam Kent, Daniel Richards, Plamen Natsop, and Tim Smith. We will be looking specifically at four sectors, container shipping, dry bog, oil tankers, and shipbuilding. Before we drill down into these specific sectors, I'd like to turn to Adam for a broad overview. Regular listeners will have heard from Adam before. So Adam, welcome back to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. Thank you, Marcus. Great. Thank you for taking the time and coming back on the podcast, Adam. Could you kick us off with a broad macro outlook for shipping in 2023, please? Yes, of course. I think it's important when we sort of look towards the year ahead in 2023, just to briefly reflect where 2022 has sort of ended up and where 2023 will start. And of course, 2022 was a a year of two halves. And how you view each of those halves will very much depend on the shipping sector that you have an interest in. Obviously, the dry sectors, that's mean dry bulk, containers, railroads, MPP, all started 2022 in uh, rude health. But more recently, at the back end of 2022, we've seen those markets come off, and in some cases, considerably so. And on the wet side, 2022 started slowly, but has ramped up generally over the course of Q3, Q4, 2022. So we're sort of starting the year where the wet sectors are looking favourable and the dry sectors are sort of struggling, shall we say. If we look at things from a very sort of top-down basis from a seaborne cargo growth, 2022 we saw seaborne cargo growth just under 1%. When we're coming into 2023, our current forecasts have seaborne cargo growth at just over 2%. So from a pure cargo on the water perspective, 2023 looks better than 2022. I think there are a few things that we have to sort of start tying in, though, into those sort of headline numbers, including the sort of continued unwinding of inefficiencies within the fleet, which means that the fleet will trade a lot more efficiently as we go through 2023. There is some strong headwinds from a macroeconomic perspective. We, of course, have seen rising interest rates, rising inflation. We're still unsure how the unwinding of zero COVID policy in China will ultimately affect Chinese demand and Chinese manufacturing. From a macroeconomic perspective, we do expect to see 2023 will remain a tough year. We do expect to see potentially that turning at the back end of 2023. But that macroeconomic position may not sort of improve until 2024. The order book for some sectors is looking very favourable. Dry bulk and tankers are going to remain something of a challenge for container ships for some time to come. And on the gas side, similarly, we've seen some significant orders over the course of the last 18 months. And we'll start to see some of those vessels coming out of the yards and sort of impacting market balances. Once again, the industry remains in a a position of of flux, and I think there are some challenges to be faced over the course of the next 12 months. Thank you, Adam. 
it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of broader outlook plays down into the individual sectors. I'd like to turn to Daniel Richards to talk about the container market. So, Daniel, welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. Thank you for having us on, Marcus. Oh, again, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Could you firstly just tell our listeners about the outlook for the container market in 2023 in terms of demand and supply? It's worth recounting what's happened over the past several years where really you had a period of quite volatile demand growth where there was this initial sharp fall in demand for containerized goods towards the start of the pandemic in 2020. That was followed by a very strong rebound over the course of 2021 as people shifted their spending into goods, people received stimulus payments, uh, housing markets were strong, etc. And that's been followed so far in 2022 by what's been a surprisingly weak trade growth environment, certainly in the latter half of the year. So it's been a volatile period for the container trade growth and quite a weak one in the past several quarters. That's been playing out against what's been a fairly unremarkable period for container ship supply growth. Fleet has continued to grow at, say, a 3 to 4% year-over-year growth rate. And what's really made the difference is just, as you've seen in other shipping sectors, in particular dry bulk, the fleet has been unable to perform as efficiently as it normally would do so. So you've seen a, a pretty sizable loss of effective capacity over the period coinciding with the pandemic, and that's now also beginning to unwind. So when we're looking forward to 2023, you have these three different elements. So what's trade growth expected to be? How fast will the size of the fleet grow? And how will those issues around congestion, around fleet efficiency, how will those develop? On the trade growth front, the the very near-term outlook earlier in 2023 remains pretty weak. You still have an overbuild of inventory that companies are having to look at. You're seeing major pressure on housing markets because of the rise in interest rates worldwide. And you are still seeing pressure on consumer disposable incomes at the same time as consumers now have a wider range of services and things to spend their money on. So the trade growth outlook, at least for the first half of 2023, is going to be pretty challenging. It's possible that you know the, the, the scale of the demand destruction and loss of trade in the past couple of months has been so extreme that it's possible that when you get to the period after you know the factories shut down for Lunar New Year in China, there could be something of a rebound. But we're not seeing the signals yet that there's going to be a significant improvement in trade growth next year. And we don't have a firm reason to expect a very strong trade growth environment over the sort of medium term forecast horizon. What's the kind of immovable big object coming down the line for container market balances is supply growth is going to accelerate markedly. So our projections have you know, the size of the fleet as of the end of the year growing by around 7% year over year in both 2023 and 2024, and then above average growth again in 2025. And if anything, you know, that 7% number for 2023 and 2024 could prove an underestimate. Uh, we've got quite a bit of order book slippage in the subsequent years. We're expecting a high volume of scrapping. 
if that scrapping doesn't take place on the scale that we're currently forecasting, you know, fleet growth could accelerate up towards 10% year over year, which is a huge amount for an industry that's quite mature on its demand side to absorb. So in 2023 as a whole, it's going to be a period where supply growth really does begin to outpace demand growth, unless something completely unforeseen happens on the macro side. And it's going to be a challenging couple of years in terms of absorbing the current order book. Okay, so you've obviously got that big supply side coming in at a time when the market itself has been softening. I think one of the things that we've been following and a lot of other people has been this dramatic drop in the spot container freight rate. So what's going to happen then with the contract rates in the coming year as those come up for renewal? The current signals are pretty negative, I'd say, for the line of companies. You know, in their key three results, a lot of the lines still manage to grow their average dollar per TU freight rates on a quarter-to-quarter basis, which was perhaps somewhat surprising given that we're already turning down then. But if you look at some of the broad metrics of global average freight rates, um, Zanita published some container trade statistics, published a good broad global metric. Those are now definitely showing signs that contract rates are beginning to fall, and especially for new contracts being signed. Now, a higher proportion of contracts will come up for renewal in the first half of next year. And it's clear that the lines are going into that renewal season not on a great footing. Blank sailings aren't yet proving to be as effective a tool as they were in the early stages of the pandemic. So where the spot rates have led, it's likely that contract rates will, will follow. It will obviously differ across different shipping lines depending on their geographic focus, how much weight they put on spot versus contract business in the first place. But you know, I think our base case position is that contract rates aren't an average dollar per TU freight rates. They're unlikely to go all the way back to what you'd see in a, in a weak market in the pre-pandemic environment. But unless something happens quite dramatic with lines being able to stop the falling swap rates, we know the pace of decrease has slowed a lot in the past couple of weeks. If they can engineer some kind of rebound in the freight market in the first quarters of 2023, then that will put them in a stronger position with respect to contract rates. But it seems that the average dollar per TU freight rates are going quite a long way down towards normal, and that will play out by the, say, middle of next year. Okay, so that's you know, sort of six months um, sort of scenario for that to play out. If you look at those Q3 earnings on the lines, they're still really spectacular. When is this going to impact onto the earnings of the lines? It will vary enormously. I think that's the first thing that you'll see is that different lines are going to experience the next several quarters in quite different ways. So lines that have a particular focus on you know, spot business on the Trans-Pacific, Asia to US trades, they're likely to come under pressure sooner than the bigger or more or the lines which have a more diverse cargo base across different regions. Lines who've seen a stronger proportion of their business moving on contracts, again, that's likely to give their strong period of earnings a bit of longevity compared to smaller lines with a strong focus on the spot market. But as I said, you're looking more towards the middle of next year for the industry as a whole, that earnings picture to begin to look more normal. I wouldn't say it's going to be you know, that grinding process of ultra-thin margins that you saw 
pre-pandemic. We're not expecting that necessarily to return. It might for individual liner companies. But again, it's a process that's going to play out over a number of quarters. It's going to take at least a few quarters, we think, the average dollar per TU rates to get back down to lower levels, including contract rates. And for now, that's going to be offset, of course, with what's a pretty significant cost base for these lines. So it's a fairly bleak picture overall. You did mention a sort of possible upside there, I think, after the Lunar New Year. You know, is there a position where if lines manage capacity to that well, that perhaps it could boost rates back up again? Yes, that's definitely a possibility. And I think we have to be humble in terms of what we say isn't and isn't possible in container shipping, given the experience of the past several years. You know, fundamentally, the consolidation of the industry, the structure in terms of the alliances and the market power that those lines possess, that's still there. That has been a, a certain degree of the strength of markets in the past couple of years and the resilience of the lines has been attributed to that level of you know, structural consolidation in the industry. They still have the ability to blank sailings. The question is, are blank sailings good at boosting markets or are they really just a tool to put a floor under rates? The evidence so far is making more towards the latter than the former. But yes, there definitely could be a rebound in, in markets. And the other big thing that's going to start changing markets is you know, the environmental regulations coming online. That isn't so much the EEXI regulation that's coming into force in a few weeks' time on the 1st of January. Over time, though, the CII regulations, they are likely to lead to some degree of slowing of the fleet. We think that's likely to be a more multi-year process in terms of how it's enforced, how lines figure out how to calibrate their capacity in response to those regulations and the individual ratings that ships are receiving. But definitely there is a prospect of degree of incremental slow steaming over the next several years, and that takes effective capacity out of the market. It's unlikely to be a major factor in the early period of 2023, where it's going to be a question of can trade growth return post the new year? Are lines effective in, in a targeted manner out of the market? But the upside of the container industry comes from this potential for the environmental regulations and how operators known to respond to those to remove effective capacity from the fleet. Okay, so there's going to be a lot to watch in the coming year, essentially. If you're enjoying the Sea Trade Maritime podcast, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on the app of your choice. Now, moving on to Drybulk, Plamen Natskov. Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime podcast. Thank you for having us, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Plamen, thank you so much for taking the time. Now, the dry bulk market. I'm going to ask a very similar question. I asked Daniel about containers. The dry bulk market in 2023, what's the demand and supply picture going to look like this year? Well, very much as in the container sector, in the dry bulk market, over the last year, 2022, uh, we have had to contend with generally weak cargo volume growth, as well as various supply chain issues that have affected fleet efficiency aspects. Now, coming into 2023, we certainly see a sequentially more negative macro environment. Looking at PMI surveys of manufacturing activity, for example, 
which of course are a leading indicator for industrial production, which itself is what drives demand for raw materials. We have seen those sequentially indicating a more broad-based and sharper downturn across economies globally. So this certainly this certainly makes us cautious about the outlook for trade growth in the near term, the very short term. And of course, this is coming on the back of 2022, when cargo volume uh, was actually negative. So the drive out market had to contend with negative cargo volume growth. The last time we saw that, uh, other than 2020, was of course 2015, which, which itself was, was obviously very very poor for the drive rate market. It, it is difficult to see much positive signs for significant trade growth in the early months of this year. However, however, we, we do forecast a moderation and, and a pickup in trade in the latter half of 2023. In terms of uh, sectors where we see prospects for sharper growth in volumes, those would be iron ore and minor bulk. So taking Taking the broad commodity groups in turn, iron ore, of course, the critical ingredient for the dry freight market, driving as it does the capes. It is, of course, very much dependent on the outlook for Chinese steel demand. While this is very uncertain, uh, given the issues in the local property sector that we have seen, we do expect a gradual improvement during 2023. Overall, our thesis has been that a significant uptick uh, or a resolution to some of the issues in the property sector in China is dependent on declining commodity prices, declining energy prices, and a shift away from zero COVID policies. Now we're starting to see some progress on all these three elements, which makes us more confident that at some stage during the year, we will see a more concerted efforts at addressing some of those that related hangovers in the Chinese property sector as well as potential for centrally directed stimulus to support the economy. We're generally positive on iron ore demand. We forecast around 25-30 million tons growth in iron ore flows over the year. The other sector where uh, more positive is uh, is minor bulks. That was a sector that, with the declining economy, saw significant pressure during 2022. And we we see upside here in the steel and related materials, fertilizers especially, forest products as well. So again, playing on that theme of recovering a resolution to property markets and and infrastructure investment. The other big sector, of course, for the dry bulk markets is the coal trade. And we could have expected coal trade to be much more positive for the dry freight market, given the shortage of gas now that Europe is cut off from from pipeline Russian supply. Uh, And of course, this is indicated in, uh, in coal prices themselves. Now, sadly for dry bulk owners in 2022, but also we expect this to persist in 2023, the supply capacity, the export capacity simply isn't there. Most major co-exporters have not invested over the previous several years into mining capacity. And of course, there is understandably unwillingness to do that, considering the longer term prospects for for coal and and the coal trade. So we see, we see very limited, very limited support for the market from there. Overall, on the demand side, uh, we do see positive trade growth around one and a half, two percent, mostly focused towards the latter part of the year. As in container shipping, we need to think about what what does this mean 
in terms of fleet employment and the requirements for the fleet. And this is where there is an unwinding some of those port, port inefficiencies, uh, especially you know, as it relates to port waiting times, have started to weigh on the dry bulk uh, freight market uh, certainly over the last couple of months. And we expect this, this, this will continue through 2023. Just as an example, port waiting times was a big driver that was masking through much of 2021 and early 2022 the poor growth in cargo volumes. It was absorbing significant parts of the fleet. At sometimes a fleet equal to the required fleet to carry the Australia-China iron trend. Now we have seen a very sharp unwind of those port waiting times and several other factors related to fleet inefficiencies. This is increasing the efficiency of the fleet. This means smaller required deadweight tonnage uh, to carry the available cargo volume, which leads us to forecast a lower utilization rate overall, more negative balances over the coming year. Okay, so all of that that you've just described, how is that going to impact the freight rate environment for dry bulk? It's been a fairly bleak year in 2022. Is that going to continue in 2023? Yeah, we, so our, our base case forecast uh, suggests utilization rate that is lower in 2023 than 2022. Away from the relatively poor volume growth and the declining inefficiencies in, in the fleet, we also, of course, have uh, the supply uh, of the fleet growing. And it's growing by around 20 million deadweight tons, even after factoring in a significant increase in scrappage rates for next year. Uh, and of course, that, that significant increase in scrappage rates is driven by a forecast low rate environment. Now, considering the growth in the fleet and, uh, and the loss in deadweight tonnage requirements, we have a swing to the negative side of about 25, 30 million deadweight tons. That translates into, of course, lower utilization rate for the fleet and therefore a lower freight rate environment. In terms of forecasts, you know, we certainly see on an average annual basis, dry freight rates around 25-30% lower year on year in 2023 than they were in 2022. Okay, so not a particularly positive outlook really for the market. And I guess one thing we are seeing is the reopening of China and the move away from the zero COVID policy, is this going to be something that could be positive for the market uh, as we go uh, more further into 2023? Good question. So, I mean, clearly, as I, as I mentioned earlier, part of our thesis has been the requirement for a shift away from zero COVID policies for the Chinese government to be able to enact any measures that are supportive for the economy, whether it is a fiscal stimulus whether it is uh, infrastructure investment initiatives and so on. Now, with the shift away from zero COVID, clearly this is getting mad. Now, we were of the opinion that this would be a more controlled, more gradual process. It hasn't been that. Certainly, it has been a very sharp bonfire of regulations that have been ex ex existed so far, with the resulting, we, we, we're hearing, of course, reports of very high caseloads. Now, whether this would subside over the next couple of months uh, is obviously something to watch, but clearly it sets the scenes for a potential for a potential stimulus uh, measures after the Chinese New Year uh, in February. So certainly this is one of the upside one of the upside risks, the potential for upside in the market. 
if those elements that we had been waiting for, which is lower commodity prices, lower energy prices, relatively speaking, and a shift away from zero COVID, if they would be sufficient to incentivize uh, a large scale, large scale stimulus, which we have clearly seen the Chinese government willing to engage in and capable of, of directing uh, in previous years. Okay, and again, something that's going to be interesting to watch how that develops in the coming months. It's uh, a very dynamic situation. Thank you, Plaman, for the overview of where you see the dry bulk market headed. like to move on now to a sector that has been enjoying exceedingly good times lately, and that is the uh, tanker sector. And I'd like to welcome Tim Smith to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. Thank you very much. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time. Perhaps, yeah, if, if, could you tell our listeners how you see that demand and supply outlook for the tanker sector in the coming year? Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, uh, it's, a, it's a sector that's seen its fortunes change rapidly and Probably just worth giving a little bit of background to that. It was a rags to riches story really in 2022. Tanker market, as every sector did, experienced um, huge disruption from the pandemic and oil demand obviously hit very hard by travel restrictions. We saw a recovery from that in both demand and production from major oil producers through 2021 and into 2022. We then saw the pretty swift and abrupt impact of the invasion of Ukraine affecting the sector. The immediate impact of that was to push tanker spot rates up very quickly. And then subsequently, we've seen trade flows or saw trade flows change rapidly in response to uh, sanctions on Russia. And we saw dynamic shift in favour of longer haul voyages for oil coming out of Russia as Europe reduced its intake. The consequence of that for the tanker market in 2022 was that we saw conditions go at the start of the year from very weak uh, spot markets to uh, through the year, um, very strong spot earnings, both for the crude and product markets. We saw ton miles, as I say, grow very quickly as we saw more Russian crude diverted out um, away from Europe to, uh, for example, Asia into India and China, and also Europe needing to import its oil from different sources, both for crude and products, increasing the import ton mile component of the market as well. So the demand side for the tanker sector became very complex very quickly, and it changed very quickly as well. And it's still changing now as we enter 2023, we have full sanctions imposed or bans on seaborne crude from Russia to Europe. Last December, we have a similar imposition on products, primarily diesel that moves from Russia to Europe coming in in February. So the disruption to the market and wider trade picture and patterns continues to change. So as I mentioned, the multiplying effect, if you like, on demand from this, coming from the distance component of trade flows, was very strong in 2022. We think that the overall trade growth was doubled in terms of deadweight demand for tankers, primarily as a consequence of this ton mile increase. 
last year. And in 2023, we expect that multiplying effect to continue. So although we do expect trade growth to slow a bit. So last year, we, we estimated oil tanker demand growth for crude and products at about 8%. When you factor in all of this additional ton mile effect, we think that will slow down to about 5% in 2023. But the consequence will still be a buoyant market, buoyant underlying fundamentals. Although we do expect some moderation in spot earnings. We expect some fluctuation. And I think there are a number of factors behind that. One of them being the restrictive production policy of OPEC plus. And so we saw them actually making some cuts in terms of their targets in Q4. And we also expect some of the post-pandemic demand outside of China, the underlying all demand growth to slow a bit. So that's going to have some effects on overall trade growth in 23. But we still expect a positive demand outlook. And more broadly, when I talk about moderation, we saw some very extreme highs in Q4 2022. Um, so we're still expecting overall levels for the tanker market to be what would be characterized as strong in 2023. And it's that disruption, that tonne-mile effect that's really providing the underlying support. But also, as you mentioned, China also opening up in Q4 22. Historically, China's been the kind of engine, if you like, in terms of oil demand and also oil import demand, particularly for crude oil. Um, we're expecting it to return significantly in, in 2023 and kind of regain that status as the market's primary or key driver, particularly on the crude side. It's also increasing its product exports. Uh, we're also expecting to see a lot of refining capacity coming on stream in 2023 as well in China, also in the Middle East as well. And that's going to likely drive up product exports and support more product flows on long haul basis into Europe to substitute um, Russian imports. So there's a lot going on in terms of the tanker market uh, on the demand side, a lot to keep track of. Uh, it's becoming an increasingly complex space. It's also been a very volatile market in 2022. And, and we do expect some of that volatility to continue given the wider disruption in the sector. No, certainly there was an awful lot of different factors you just brought up there, incredibly complicated, and some phenomenal numbers there in terms of changes and things like the ton mile demand. Perhaps, uh, could you just give our listeners a bit more colour on, you talked a little bit about freight rates, so could you give us a bit, a bit more colour on where you see them headed, uh, both sort of um, spot rates and charter rates in 2023? Yes, so we've seen markets reach extreme highs in Q4, and obviously when you see that kind of, elevated booming market and you see the kind of volatility we've seen in the spot market conditions get quite difficult to precisely estimate in terms of fundamentals our expectation for 2023 is that we will see some moderation in overall levels of earnings but we still expect them to stay fairly high certainly in comparison to you know, the start of 2022 and, and particularly 2021 when we saw very weak markets. So we're looking at earnings levels in the sector. And I should also add, actually, that 2022 is quite different because we saw quite a different spread in terms of earnings. VLCCs were, were relatively weak for much of the year versus other sectors driven by some of the weakness we saw in China, where we actually saw oil demand growth contract last year for China. 
So we expect some relative improvement in VLCCs versus other markets. And if you like a little reorganization or normalization in terms of that distribution of earnings, but we're likely to see, you know, in terms of the, the charter market, the period market, one year time charter rates for VLCCs still in the kind of 30 to $40,000 per day range across on average in 2022. Um, and certainly starting the year higher than that. We expect some moderation in the first half of the year. What we're also expecting, as I haven't really touched on, is on the supply side. Adam mentioned right at the start that the, the tanker order book is very constructive, if you like, for, for fundamentals. It's, it's low relative to history. So the supply side, as we move through 2023 and into 24 and beyond, is likely to become more benign and more of a positive driver, particularly as we expect to see more scrapping further out in terms of pushing up the underlying utilisation rate. So although we expect some moderation in, in the first half of 2023, in the longer term, we expect conditions to pick up. And I would expect also to see, given all of the factors we talked about swirling around the market, quite a lot of volatility in spot markets. So it's, it's going to be a, uh, a positive picture in our view, but we will see some natural fluctuation, given the turbulence in the underlying oil market that's uh, surrounding the tanker sector. So, yeah, overall, a, a very positive outlook. And I suppose that volatility also creates opportunities. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure tanker owners will be um, appreciating the very strong conditions they've seen, certainly versus what they were experiencing in 2021 and early 2022. Indeed, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that's the case. Thank you, Daniel. There's an awful lot to take in there. All of the markets we've just been talking about will have an impact on shipbuilding. And I'd like to welcome Adam to talk about the shipbuilding market. Looking at shipbuilding, demand and supply, what's the sort of space availability at yard like over the next couple of years? I think that's a question that a lot of people are, are sort of asking themselves, given various reports coming from parts of the industry that the yards are full. And I think that that certainly is the case. I think if you're looking to order a, a large container ship or a, a large an LNG carrier or a large tanker, a sort of a top tier Korean yards, you're not going to find any gaps both this year in 2023 or, or in 2024. You're really going to be looking out to 2025 and beyond if you want uh, to order one of those yards. I think 2023 this year in general, output is scheduled to be a lot higher than it was in 2022. So we do expect to see some slippage from this year into next year. Thing that you know, when you start looking at the numbers and drilling down into the data, it's very much on a on a sector basis, but also on a yard basis. There are around 150 yards that have been ordered in 2022. That means there's around 400 shipyards in the world that haven't taken an order from 2021 for the last 10 years. So basically, there's about 400 yards that haven't taken an order in 2022. Those order books are going to be drying up quite quickly if the yard is still in gainful employment. For example, we know that there's a lot of tier two yards in China that specialize in building dry bulk yards that are currently sitting on nothing on their order books or about to deliver their last ship in 
2023. And on the flip side, if you compare that to someone like Nax in China, you'll find that their order book is full until 2027. So I think it's at a, at a big broad picture, the yards are full, big yards, the tier one yards. But once you sort of get under the surface, if you did want to order, say, a handy sized bulker, there's still plenty of opportunity to do so. Uh, you may just have to go to a tier two yard, potentially in China. Okay, so quite a big difference then between the really big yards and sort of name players and the, the sort of smaller to mid-sized um, yards and also the sort of vessels you're ordering. I think overall we saw significantly low ordering in 2022, perhaps excluding the LNG sector. Uh, what's the outlook in terms of orders like for 2023? Yes, you're right. I mean, last year we saw the order book peak based on our analysis in about June 2022. Uh, so the order book is already coming off. There's um, more ships being delivered than there are being contracted. And we expect to see contracting over the course of this year significantly down on 2022 levels. 2022 was fundamentally driven, as you say, by LNG contracts. And the container ship contracting bandwagon went on a lot longer than we'd anticipated last year. Uh, and that helped buoy the order book higher and for further than we'd initially anticipated. We don't see many container ships being ordered this year in 2023. There will be a few more LNG uh, associated with new uh, trains, new plants coming on stream. We've already heard from Plarman that the dry bulk industry is not looking particularly favourable in uh, 2023. And we we don't think that that will, that will obviously have an impact on, on new orders. Uh, and so far, although the, the tanker industry has, has sort of been riding high at the back end of last year and into this year, that hasn't been enough to cause a catalyst for owners to go out and start ordering huge waves of tonnage. So, it, it, you know, when you break it down on a sector-by-sector -sector basis, we've either seen lots of orders or the emphasis to order isn't currently there. So we expect orders to be significantly down this year. Uh, we do expect orders, if we sort of look out into the middle of the decade, to start creeping up again. But this year we do expect to see as the sort of low watermark in terms of contracting volumes for, for the last few years. Okay, so it's going to be, on that front, it's going to be a fairly tough year for the yards in terms of bringing in new orders. I think one of the things we, we see happening here is um, you know, this sort of shift to alternative fuels and a lot of the orders placed in 2022 had some type of alternative fuel or at least be ready for them. Is this shift, is it like positive or negative for the yards in the sense that it can create new demand because owners want vessels with alternative fuels, but also it creates uncertainty because no one really quite knows what those alternative fuels are going to be, so they're holding off ordering. Yeah, and I think I think that that's a very good point, and I think that's sort of the the pattern of orders that we've seen within the industry over the last couple of years have sort of uh, to emphasise that point. Where we've seen orders have been either for ships that uh, are, are transporting manufactured goods, either containerised goods or car carry cars and case of car carriers, or they've been for vessels that can burn and utilize the cargo on board for bunkers. So 
LNG and LPG. And that's really where we've seen the focus of contracting with the containers and the car carriers, sort of transporting manufactured goods. So there's pressure from in consumers in those sectors to do something, even if it's uh, not going to zero carbon, it's, it's lower carbon fuels. So uh, we've seen pressure there from end consumers and the container industry has taken that on board and so have the car carry industry. Uh, I think when it comes to tankers and bulkers, you don't necessarily have the same end consumer pressure you've seen in the manufactured goods sectors. And we know for sure that this is preventing certainly speculative ordering as owners aren't entirely sure whether they should be ordering dual fuel methanol, dual fuel LNG, uh, ammonia ready vessels. Uh, we know that a lot of owners are sort of keeping their powder dry uh, for the time being and don't necessarily want to be that sort of uh, the, the, the first uh, mover within this space and would rather sort of wait two or three years until there's perhaps a little bit more certainty in and around the fuels and some of the sort of more landside infrastructure has developed in terms of being able to, to service the vessels with the bunkers and these alternative fuels. So I think until we see perhaps a little bit more clarity, until we see more of the dual fuel vessels on the container ship sector on the water, uh, and the yards have sort of have proven that, that these vessels can be built operationally, there's, there aren't any issues and there's the fuel in place, we expect to see dry bulk and tanker ordering sort of remain at relatively low, benign levels for the next couple of years. Okay, so it does have a sort of negative impact then. I just want to ask one last question, which relates to a development we've been following quite closely on Sea Trip Maritime News, and that is the IMI yard that's being built in Saudi. I was just wondering, when do you see that development, because it's really quite large, having starting to actually have an impact on the market? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting development. And uh, as you say, it's a, it's a, it's a large facility that uh, is being built up in Saudi Arabia. I think there's a couple of things. What, one, it is a large facility, but uh, I think they're only talking, you know, if we're talking about merchant shipping, potentially only having the capability to build around three or four VLCCs per year. And realistically, that's not going to move needle, what it will do is just provide a, a further capacity more broadly. And we, we do think that we are actually going to need more capacity as we move out towards 2030. And there's going to be a requirement to order a lot more bulkers, containers, as much as uh, sort of the evolution to new dual fuel, alternative fuels, but also just uh, in terms of replacement demand, given that the, the age of those fleets by 2030, they'll be significantly older, given a lot of the vessels that are on the water were built or ordered during the boom during 2002 to 2008. So the, the uh, IMI yard will certainly help with uh, that increase in capacity then. I think where the, that yard will succeed versus a lot of the other sort of new yards that have tried to set up in places like Russia, India, Brazil, over the course of the last decade is the fact that they have a, a lot of strong partnerships and investments with people like HHI and Lamprell, and also that Bari themselves, who are a partner in the yard, have committed to ordering ships at the yard. So that, that's going to instantly give them a track record, instantly give them cash flow, 
worth other yards that have sort of new yards that have tried to sort of muscle in on the space that uh, is firmly uh, filled by China, Korea and Japan, uh, where other yards have, haven't been able to succeed. Thank you to Tim, Daniel, and Plarman. It's been really fascinating hearing your views on where the market's going to be headed over the next 12 months. It'd be great to come back and talk to you, perhaps in the middle of the year, and see uh, where we are compared to what we've just had in our discussions today. I'd just like to thank you all for taking the time to come on the Maritime Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for listening to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on an app of your choice.